0: Uh, today's Father's Day, so to all of you um, who are dads, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like Mother's Day version 3.0. I mean, you know, we don't spend a lot of time talking about dads and, and Father's Day. We're going to spend a little time this morning. Today, for me, it's kind of a mixed deal. Um, while I get, I've had the privilege to be a father, um, and now I get the privilege to watch my son be a father, uh, my father's no longer here. So, you know, and, and different people handle it differently. My dad's been gone now for, uh, it's, I don't know, five, six, seven years, something like that. So, you know, I didn't, I, don't, I don't go and buy a cart anymore. Um, I don't, uh, every Sunday afternoon or evening, We I would always call my mom and dad, and my mom would, like, listen on the other end, and my dad and I would talk, you know, and, and, and we don't do that anymore, Um And while it's easy sometimes to look at what I don't have, I'm fortunate enough to be able to look back and focus on what I did have. And, um, you know, because my dad, uh, my dad's dad, my granddad died early. I never got to even know him. Uh, He died before I was born. And so, um, you know, I was privileged to be able to have some time with my dad. And I was fortunate in that I had a dad who loved the Lord and so set a great example for us. And so, you know, for those of you that, um, your dad's not here. I get it. Okay, I do. Um, and I look at how fortunate I was to have what I had. And so I don't focus so much on what I don't have as much as what I, do ha- what I did have. And, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate. Everybody handles it a little differently. Um, some of you were like me. You were able to have a dad who was a great example. Um, some of you had dads who either weren't around or were bad examples. Um, and and you, you really probably struggle in your Christian life because, um, you know, we talk about God as our Heavenly Father, but you kind of have no reference of what a good, good father was, was supposed to be. Um, I like what one person said. They said, uh, you have two families, the one you were born with and the one you choose. And I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, you don't have a lot of say over the family you were born with, but you have a lot of say over the family that you choose. And and, and we, my wife and I, consider ourselves incredibly fortunate because we look at this as our family. And although both of us had um, parents who were Christians, uh, in our situation, our parents were far away. You know, Gene's folks were in Virginia, mine were in Texas. So the grandparents that my children grew up knowing sit here because they adopted you and you adopted them. And, and so in many cases, they aunts and uncles and grandparents and people like that, they're closer to you guys than they are the, the biological one, and, and I would challenge you with that because if if you were in a situation where you didn't have a father or you didn't have a father who was a good example, you have the privilege of being able to to latch on to somebody and those of you who are older you have the privilege of mentoring somebody and and i would challenge you to look at some of the younger people here and say you know what i'm just going to kind of develop a relationship with them and 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 be a part of their life and um you know i just i just want to encourage you along that line because um, each one of us regardless of who you are you need you need a father figure you need someone who can Mentoring, and like say, I say, I'm very fortunate in that I have a lot of people that have come into my life and, and mentored me and guided me and directed me, as well as biological and people that, that came into my life. Um, and I'm almost at an age now where I'm starting to do that with, with other people. Um, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't look at it as, as giving them advice on what to do as much as telling them my mistakes and what I learned not to do. Uh, you know, don't learn this the hard way like I did. So I, I just want to challenge you this way. This morning we're going to look at, uh, when, I, when I talk about, when I mention this, you're, you don't really think of him as a father figure. But there's a, there, there's a little reference, and we're going to look at this this morning, that I think helps us focus on him as a father, and that's Noah. And, uh, you know, when we think of, of fathers, Noah's not a guy who normally comes to mind, but I think you'll understand why I, I say it this morning um, in the context of, of what, when we talk about him. Uh, there's been a lot of things out there about Noah, some fun things that are, are, are out there. Um, I like one of them that I caught that I've got to read to you. It's, it's uh, everything I need to know I learned from Noah. Number one, don't miss the boat. Number two, we're all in the same boat. Three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when he built the ark. Uh, Four, stay fit. When you're 600 years old, someone may ask you to do something big. Five, don't listen to the critics. Just do what needs to be done. Um, Six, build your future on the high ground. Uh, By the way, Noah was the guy associated with the flood. Um travel in pairs. Speed isn't always an advantage. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. Uh, when you're stressed, float a while. Remember, the Ark I love this. We need this as like a theme for building out there. The Ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by professionals. no matter what the storm, when you're with God, there's always a rainbow at the end of it. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's fun to kind of look at some of that stuff. But this morning, I really want to tackle a couple of things that God says. And we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 6. And here's what it says. Notice up here, it says, this is the genealogy of Noah. So in other words, in this passage, we go through a whole lot of people and stuff like that. And, and up until this point it, in Genesis 6, it's talked about how bad the world is getting. And he says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Some versions read righteous. Perfect in his generations. Um, It's the idea of respect. We're going to talk about this in a second. And Noah walked with God. So right at the bat, when we're talking about Noah, we learn three things right off the bat about him. And then he says this, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That's interesting that in the context of knowing about Noah, one of the things that God wants us to know is that he was a dad. You see, God's going to ask something very big of him. And it's going to be such a big thing that his kids are going to join him in doing it. And and we don't think about the aspect of that, but we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit this morning. But the first thing that it says is that he was a just man. Some versions read righteous it's interesting, that's the first time that we have this concept of righteousness mentioned in the Bible. And yet, it's associated with Noah. Righteousness has an idea of his relationship to God. So one of the first things that God speaks about him is that he is a person who has a right standing, a right relationship with God. Um, I give you a little insight. I think one of the reasons is because modeled before him for the at least four generations prior to him was the idea of godliness, righteousness. And Noah was able to learn that along the line. So when God looks at the earth, <clears throat> he finds Noah as a righteous man. And it's very important for us to understand. At this time in the world, he's probably the only one. He's probably the only guy who's got a right standing with God. In fact, one version reads it this way. Um, It says, uh, he's the only good man. Now, you think about that for a second. One guy out of the whole known world at that time. And God says, you know what? You are the guy. And then notice what he goes on to say. Perfect in his generation. That has the idea of mature. This was his relationship with other people. Um, it, it's that idea of his standing before others. That uh, A lot of versions, the old King James reads blameless. It's the idea that, that in his relationship with other people, when people looked at his life, they really couldn't find anything justly to pick apart. Um, and, and again, there's something to be said for your relationship with God and your relationship with people. That's why when they cornered Jesus on the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. He linked them together. They asked for the greatest. He gives them two, so to speak. But they're really one. Because why? Because your relationship to God impacts, influences, and determines your relationship with people. So if you have a disconnect with people, you need to take a look at your relationship to God because there's an intersection. Because you see, look, the more time I spend with God, the more time I I learn about God, the more that should impact the way I deal with people. So when I start to understand things about God, I start to understand that God is incredibly patient. And when I want to be impatient with somebody else, I need to learn patience. Because... and and so you start to learn and they they connect together and that was true in in the life of noah and then notice what it says and it says and he walked with god at this point in the bible we know that adam walked with god in the garden in the cool of day we know that there was a guy by the name of enoch who walked with god and god took him because the world was wicked and God just said, Enoch, he walked so closely to God, one day God looks at Enoch and he says, look, you know what, Let you just come on with me, let's go. And ought they go into heaven. Um, now here's the thing that you don't know, or you may know, but probably haven't paid attention to. You know who Enoch is in relationship to Noah? His great-grandfather. So Enoch walks with God, God takes him, Enoch had a son whose name was Methuselah. Methuselah is the oldest living man in the Bible in in, in history, 900 and some odd years old. And, and, And again, in that time in history, long life was associated with godliness. And then he had a son by the name of Lamech who had a son by the name of Noah. So there's this legacy, this heritage behind Noah of walking with God that has been passed down from generation to generation. And so you see that he, he walks with God. Notice what it says. It says that he has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, so this is the guy that we're introduced to. Now we come to the world. Um, uh, go to the next passage, guys. Uh, at, at this time, and here's what it says. The earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, and All flesh had corrupted their way. When we go to the New Testament, and Jesus talks about the days of Noah, here's what he says. Matthew, he says this. Um, there was eating, drinking, marriage, and giving in marriage. This says there's violence, and it was a corrupt world. So here's what we get. We get a picture of the world at this time in which everybody was doing well. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's making money. Everybody's partying. Everybody's marrying. Everybody, it's just a good old happy world. The dark side of it is, this is a world that's incredibly corrupt. People aren't righteous. People aren't doing what's right. People are doing whatever they want to do. And God looks at the world and says, you know what? I've got to end this thing. But he finds a guy by the name of Noah. And he said, you know what? There's a righteous guy. I can't, I can't do this. And by the way, you see this principle. You see it in Sodom and Gomorrah, where God says, you know what? I'm going to destroy it, but I'm going to take the righteous out. Um, here you see it in the life of Noah where God says, I'm going to take you know, the righteous. You see it with the children of Israel in the wilderness where God and Moses are talking. And at one point, God looks at Moses and says, Moses, let me wipe it all out and start over with you. And it's interesting. Moses argues against God and says, you can't do that, Lord, because your testimony is on the line. I, you, you I don't want to do that. So, so it's interesting when you see that, that God has this principle, so to speak, of taking those who are righteous and pulling them out or saving them or rescuing them. And you see this in, this in this passage. The world is incredibly wicked. So God says, and I don't have all the verses in there because it, it always talks about building the ark and all those kinds of things. So I'm just going to skim through it, but go back and read Genesis 6 sometime. And he says, he talks about how corrupt it was. Um, the, the sons of God, and the daughters of men, and you have all of this wickedness going on. And God says, look, I'm going I'm to wipe it out, Mo, uh, Noah, but I'm going to start with you. So Noah, here's what we're going to do. And We're going to build, I'm going to have you build an ark. You and your family, you're going to build an ark. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to use that to save you and your family. Now, we lose, we lose perspective of this thing, but let me try to make it as real as I can make it for you this morning. He's going to build a, an ark that ends up being about 450 feet long. Okay, now put that in perspective. This, if you go from this wall to the wall of the new addition, that's 100 and uh, or that's uh, 203 feet, ballparkish. We're close in there. So you take these two buildings, you take this building, double it, and then add a little more, and then. We're going to have 75 feet wide, so this is 50 feet right here. So take this, have it, throw the other half over there. That's how wide the thing is. We got no DeWalt power tools. We got no chainsaws. So this is a massive undertaking. Now, we love working up here, and we love what we're doing up here, but i got to be honest with you. It's already old, and we're tired, and we're only doing it two days a week. Can you imagine this level of project that God's ta- that, that Noah is is commanded to take on? It's going to take him 120 years. And fathers, dads, men, listen to this: Noah finishes what he starts. That right there should put him on the pedestal for everybody. And he plugs away at it for 120 years. 120 years. And I think we lose concept of this sometime. Somebody has said that they'd run the estimate. The Ark would be compatible to 522 rail cars. That's how much space we have in this thing. The way that, the, that people figure out this thing was designed on um, They estimated about we're going to go average size animal something like thirty five thousand pairs of animal. You you don't have to believe this if you don't want to believe this. I I believe it because the Bible says it, and so I just you know I'm kind of simple that way. That if the Bible says it, then I go okay. (laughs) This is an incredible feat for a hundred. Now, those of you who are fathers, how hard would it be for you to convince your kids to work with you side by side? For 120 years. <laughs> My kids are going, Dad, you might get like 12 minutes or 120 minutes, but we ain't going to go 100. 120 years side by side. And, and, and you've got to think about this for a minute. Not only that, not only are they going to work side by side as a family doing this, but everybody in the community is going to know what they're doing plugging away at them this way. And can you imagine the task? Can you imagine what their friends and neighbors and, 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 and everybody is saying? Can you imagine? Now, again, they don't have it. But you go into the grocery store, and they're like, hey, yeah, i want one of Noah's boys. Oh, you're one of those. Hey, how's that boat coming? Because, you know, have you ever thought about how you're going to get it in the water? Well, you don't understand it's going to rain. Right. Right. You you know you built it up on the ground up, up, kind of on that little hill top thing. You really think it's going to rain that much? They're the laughing stock of the community. Not not just for for a year or a month or whatever, for 120 years. And when they would come out, I mean, I, I imagine they were let's come and watch Noah parties. You know, come on, let's go out and make fun of them. And Noah, if he saw a group gathered, what would we do? He'd preach righteousness. He'd preach repentance. He'd preach, look, guys, there's a flood coming. Trust God. Turn to God. Yeah, right. Uh, I'll have another one of those, please. Because it was a world in which they didn't need God. And Noah's standing up going, you need God, you need God, you need God. God's going to deal with it. And this guy, along with his three boys, continue to plug away with this, faithfully, day after day after day after day after day. The key to the life of Noah is found in verse 22, and here's what it says. Uh, And Noah did according all that God commanded him, so he did. In other words, Noah said, you know what, if that's what God says, that's what we're going to do. I don't care what people say. Don't care what people think. I'm not going to try to be holier than now. I'm just going to do my thing because God said this is what we needed to do. And his boys go side by side with him and accomplish the same thing. That's why I want to talk about him on Father's Day. Because I think that's a pretty incredible legacy to be able to do that. So, a couple of lessons. First thing that I think we learn from him is this idea of our character in that we need to be people who are looked at as righteous and blameless in a good way. We need to make sure we have a right standing before God. If you haven't trusted him as your personal Savior, that's the starting point. When you have, you're made righteous in Christ, but what that also means is that on a daily basis we work on our relationship with the Lord. We learn things. We try to, you know, it's like my wife. I, you know, we're still learning things about each other, um, even after all these years. Um, you know, uh, and, 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 and we continue to try to learn more and grow closer together. Because I love her, and for some odd reason, she chose to love me. And and so we work on that. And it's the same way with, the, with, with Christ. I want to deepen my relationship with God. I don't read my Bible because God, like, gives me a star or a, a, a little check mark for the day on good guy, you know. I, I read my Bible because I want to know more about him. I, I pray because I want to talk to him. I, that's what we're talking about. And then blameless in the way that we interact with other people. Um. We got to really stop and look at how, how how we interact with those around us. Because that's a reflection of our relationship to God. And it's so important that we step back and go, okay, you know what? Maybe the reason I'm treating this person this way is because there's something wrong over here. You know? Maybe the reason that you will not forgive that person is because you don't understand how much God has forgiven you. Maybe the reason that you're not patient with that person is because you fail to understand how patient God has been with you. And, and when you start to understand that, it translates over here into real life. That's what, that's what we're talking about. And, and, and I just want to challenge you along those lines to, to step back from Noah and go, okay, you know, whether you're dad or not, whatever, to step back and look at, your, look at the character. Look at your relationship to God, your relationship to other people. They, they need to be, they're, they're connected whether you realize it or not. Second thing has to do with our legacy. Noah learned this from somebody. I think it was Lamech. Lamech learned it from somebody. I think it was Methuselah. Methuselah learned it from somebody. I think it was Enoch. You see, when you look at the life of Noah, what you see is that Noah has learned and watched this being modeled of walking with God for generation after generation after generation. And I think there's something to be said for that. I I, I think there's something to be said for us looking long past us. Um I think there's a need for us to really look at the generation coming behind us. See, I think a lot of churches are making a big mistake. In that what happens is a lot of churches are looking at the people coming behind us, the millennials, the 20s, people in their 20s and 30s, and they're saying to that group, what do they want? And then the church looks at what they want and says, we're going to gear the church to them. And we're making about what they want. But that's the wrong question. The question is, what do they need? Not what do they want? We've spent a lot of time as a culture catering. You know, this is one of the... Within the last 30, 40 years, for the first time in history... We have started to model and focus on youth as the, 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 the epitome of what you want to be. Most cultures honor, model, focus on what? Wisdom and age. Yet we reversed it. So we got, I don't want to upset you, but if the bell rings, answer it. We got people in their 50s and 60s and 70s trying to look like they're 20. Look, I'm not against taking care of yourself, I'm not against makeup. I'm not against that stuff. But my philosophy has always been: if the barn needs paint, paint it. Don't rebuild it. And we've got people who are trying to go. Oh, I want to go back to my youth. I want to embrace my youth. I don't want anything to do with that. I I have earned the right to be old. Everybody's like, well, what are they going to call you? you going to call you grandpa? You bet. And I will wear it with pride. Why? Because I've waited a long time to be a grandpa. And now that I'm a grandpa, call me grandpa. You know, I love my sister to death, but she's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to be called I don't want to be called that. So so like Mimi and Papa and just goofy stuff. And I'm like, Grandpa, call me grandpa. Let me be known as the old guy. I've earned it. I'm okay with that. But yet we we, we float and what's happened in churches is we're running around going, what do our what do our kids want? What do our kids want? Let's get, cater everything to what our kids want. And then we come back and we go, I don't understand why they're going not going to church. Because, listen, we've got to get to the point that we start meeting people with what they need, not with what they want. And the reality of it is they really don't know what they need. But you do. Can I tell you what they're longing for? They're longing for meaningful relationships. Because, see, they're on Facebook and Snapchat and all this other crazy stuff. And, And, again, I'm on some of that stuff. They're on all these things. And they, they actually look at it and they value their worth by how many friends they have. But the reality of it is 95% of them aren't friends. And they spend all day long texting each other. And there's nothing meaningful going on. Why? Because they're desiring a relationship, but they don't even understand what a relationship is, much less. And you and I, you and I, as older people, have the ability to come in and invest in their life and help them to understand let me talk to you about relationship. Let me, let, me, let, me under, let, let me explain to you how when your life hits bottom, you can pick up a phone and call me 24-7 and I will be standing there beside you as quick as I can get there. Instead of putting out your little blurb on Facebook, it's been a tough day. And all of a sudden it's like, then they actually sit there and look at it, seeing how many people are going to respond. And they don't realize that that's not reality. Because they need somebody that they can call and, or meet with on a regular basis who says, how's your life going? What's going on? And we have the opportunity to do that. You see, we, we forget that. It's about a legacy. It's about what you leave behind. And that, that's the crazy thing. At some point, me or somebody else is going to stand up. We're going to sum up your entire life in about three to five minutes. When I do a eulogy, that's it, three to five minutes. And, 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 and we try to put together an obituary. Have you ever tried to write? Let me challenge you to do something. Write your own obituary. I know people have done this. They've already written their obituary. Because that will tell you what you once said at the end of your life. It'll tell you what you want to focus on, what you want to live for. You know, and if you want the whole sum of your life to be, you know, they liked Ford or they liked Chevys. Go live for that then. But what, I'm gonna, what I have found is when you come to the end of it and you go, you know, what's it all been about? Or when you go to a nursing home, and, 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 you know, you have to take all of your stuff and whittle it down, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. One of the questions I always ask when I'm doing a eulogy is this. I say, let me ask something. Is there anything that they have made sure they carried with them whenever they made a move? What is it that, that went from the, what, the house to the assisted living to the nursing home to the hospital? What is it they carried with them all the way through it? Because that was something they valued. That was something they valued. And and I want to challenge you because I think sometimes we forget this. There's a generation behind us. Those of you who are privileged to be parents or grandparents, you have the opportunity to impact the generations behind you. I love the idea that many of you, whether you had kids or didn't have kids or whatever else, have mentored and helped and brought along other people and are investing in their lives. That is so important. That is so valuable. You see, Noah is a product of a number of godly generations behind him that have kept instilling it and passing it down and modeling it. And we have the same challenge. That's, that's a challenge for us. And for those of you, okay, I don't want, I don't want to tick you off, but I, I don't care, okay? I don't care either. I think the goal of retirement should be how many people can you impact after you're not having to go to work every day? I really do. How many lives can you touch? Because you have this incredible, incredible opportunity where you don't have to go to a job every day. Financially, you've got things to take care of stuff, and you have this um, amount of time that you've never had before. And I want to challenge you Don't make it about you. Make it about how many people you can impact in that amount of time. Because you have an incredible opportunity to do that. You know? And particularly the younger generations behind us. Because they they need this so badly. And they don't even realize they need it. But those of us who have walked... For a time period, understand how valuable that is. You see a legacy. And the last thing you see is this you see an obedience where Noah says, You know what, God, if that's what you want me to do, may sound a little crazy to me, but I'll do it. I'll take all of the pain, all of the ridicule, all of the stuff. and, and, And here's the thing that amazes me and I will be faithful. Can you imagine? I mean, here's what happens for us on Tuesdays and Fridays. We get together. We sit down in the morning. Uh, we have coffee. We have cookies. We almost had to shut down this week, but they brought cookies at the last minute. Um, you think I'm kidding? I think I'm kidding. They wanted me this week to take a picture of a guy standing in line with a sign, no cookies, no work. Um I'm not going to do that. I want to stay being a pastor. I don't want to do that. Um, But, uh, I mean, you know, we sit down and we go through our plan. What do we need to do today? And over the course of this time, there's always more things on the list and there's always different things on the list. Can you imagine every morning for 120 years, the meeting in the morning? What are we going to do today? Well, we're going to cut down another tree. Six months from now, what are you going to do? Well, time to cut down another tree. Every day. Oh, hey, we're going, to put a, we're going to put a tree on this side. We're going to put a board up today. Okay. Uh, somebody needs to go make some nails. Hey, guys, guess what? Today we get to cut another board. I watch some of these Alaska shows, these people who try to live off the land and all that kind of thing. And, and it takes them so long to make, do stuff to make a cabin. And I'm thinking, and they've got chainsaws. And it's crazy to me, it's like, you know oh, we're living off the grid. And I watch them pull out a dewalt 20, volt 24-volt battery thing to screw stuff in with the big high-tech screws, and I'm thinking, "Wow, No one didn't have any of that." And the best probably didn't have have probably was used in everything with pegs. And I look at that and I think, "Wow, you think you ever got discouraged? think you ever wanted to quit? Think you ever wondered, was it worth it? All he did is he knew God wanted him to do it, so he does it every day faithfully for 120 years. And don't miss this. And his three boys standing beside him doing the same thing. What a great dad. And you know why God picked him? Because. Because he was a good guy because he was a guy who god looks down he sees all this incredible wickedness and god says but there's a guy right there trying to do what's right i want to use you gonna be hard i'm gonna ask some tough things of you but i want to use you and i'm gonna ask you to do something that's not going to make a lot of sense and you're going to get discouraged and it's going to be hard it's going to be difficult and it's not going to be a smooth road and you get up every day and probably do the same thing for 120 years but they'll come a day that it will all make sense to you. And in Noah's case, when the rains came, and it's very interesting to me, when you read the account of the flood, don't take this too far, but there's a lot of symbolism between the ark and salvation. And one of the symbolism is there's only one door. There's only one way in that ark. That's it. What's interesting to me is there's a little phrase when you read the story that says this, And God shut the door. You see, I honestly think Noah loved the people that he was around and had tried to do everything that he could, that if it was up to Noah, he would have let other people in. But God said, no. You do this, Noah. When the floods come, everybody in the ark, I'll shut the door. And and, and, and I, I, I can't even imagine as people are pounded on that thing trying to get in and Noah and his family are sitting there going I wish you would have listened but Noah's faithful and is obedient and I think that's an incredible lesson for all of us I don't know what you're going through I don't know how ugly it is I don't know how difficult it is but here's what I do know be obedient be faithful be righteous be blameless let God use you. Let God use you. Like I talked about last week, you have but a short time on this earth to make an impact for all of eternity. Enoch's long gone but Noah shows up. But his legacy had continued to live on. And it impacted Noah, who then turns around and impacts the entire world. And we read the story of guys like Abraham because of a Noah. And we read about Moses because of Noah. And we read about David because of Noah. And we read about Jesus because of Noah. Let's make a difference with, what we, what, with the time that we have in our lives. So I end it with this. We live in a world which is very similar to the world of Noah's day. It's easy to blend in and act like the world. As believers, we've got to allow God to use us and seek to live, leave behind a godly legacy. We've got to learn to embrace a right standing in which God has seen us. We need to be blameless so that as people speak against us, their claims prove to be unfounded. And we've got to follow God with our whole heart in all we do. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, as things get tough, it's easy sometimes to pull away. As things get hard, Lord, it's easy to focus on our circumstances and our situation. Lord, we've got to keep our focus on you. We've got to keep our trust and our, 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 our direction, Lord, on what you want us to do. Use us. Lord, as dads, as men, as women, even as kids, may we leave behind us something that far outlasts us. And most important, Lord, may people come to know Christ because of the legacy that we leave behind, and Lord, we give you the honor, the glory, the praise for all of it. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand, and we're gonna